standby. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubiculars podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cuba. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubiculars. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over, Monday! It's Movie Monday! <laughs> Where we discuss, you guessed it, porcupine quills. No, why would we talk about porcupine quills on a podcast that the theme is Movie Monday? What? It doesn't make any sense, so we don't. It's Mondays. That's movies, I mean. Is the theme. Boy. Something I like to say at the top of every show to cover my ass, like so very, very much underwear, is that there will be... Spoilers, folks, please, please do not assume, because you'll make an ass of you and me. Oh, man, I, I just came up with that right now. Huh. Uh, that there will not be spoilers, because they're most likely, they're most likely will. It's not always 100% chance of spoilers, but it's in the high percent chance of spoilers. So, you know, take heed, take heed. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, as that is what helps others find the podcast. My voice always wants to go into an accent at the end of that sentence, and I do not know why. Huh. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related goodness, which is today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Rob Z. Hunter's Disaster Bling. Once again, huh? today's sponsor is Rob Z. Hunter's Disaster Bling. When you're going to fail, fail spectacularly. Huh. Today I have for you four, count them, four movies. Which is a, a decent amount on a movie Monday. Uh, I do want to say, just on a sort of that note of a decent amount, that this week... It's going to be one of those rare occurrences in which I will have a Movie Monday episode. Duh. I will have a TV Tuesday episode, a Book Bow Wednesday episode, a Herf Video Games Day episode, and a Crop Internet Day episode. We are living in a land of plenty this week, my friends. I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please let me know. If you don't enjoy it, hey, keep it to your goddamn self. Movie, the first, is called Flirting with Disaster. Uh, this is a movie that, for me, is going to fall into the category of saw it on one of those lists. A list such as top uh, weird movies from the 90s or some such list like that. Uh, I'll quite often see those when I'm on the website. Well, it's not a website so much as a service called Stumble Upon. Please, please, please check that out and uh, sign up and fill everything out because you will 
go down the rabbit hole that is the internet if you do that. A lot of the things that this stumble upon takes me to are lists such as, you know, top 100 movies of all time. That's kind of boring. It's kind of a boring list just because once you've seen that list, they're all usually pretty much the same. But I, I like the ones that like this one appeared on, which are like top crazy movies of the 90s or things of that nature. A little more specific. Flirting with Disaster, I would say, would fall into that category. Although, I don't remember if it came out in the 90s. I, th I think it did. I think it did. Uh, it stars a quite young Ben Stiller. And an also quite young, by logical association, uh, Patricia Arquette. They play a couple with a little baby. Ben Stiller, through uh, an adoption agency, has he believes, found his biological parents. The representative from this adoption agency is played by Miss Taya Leone, who I will say, looking pretty goddamn good in this movie. A couple of scenes where she's in bra and panties, bra and panties, and uh, yeah, sexy. Sexy, very. She's doing this for not 100%, I would say, altruistic reasons. Uh, she wants to sort of turn this into a story, um, I guess for a book or for a newspaper article, where she is taking Ben Stiller to meet his biological parents, and it's like a whole big schmozzle and what have you. His, that is, Ben Stiller's biological parents, played by Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> well, not both of them. Mary Tyler Moore, I should say, and George Siegel. George Siegel, uh, I think, and this is just for me, maybe not for everyone, is one of those actors who may not, uh, may not recognize his name and be able to associate it with a face. However, uh, if you Google, get a look at his mug, uh, I'm sure you will recognize him. Been in a million things over the years and is always very, very good and very, very funnel. I'm a big George Siegel fan, I guess you could say. People flock to him like a flock of seagulls. <laughs> bit of a reach there, bit of a reach. I think how you could describe their parts in this movie are sort of neurotic, uh, New York Jewish parents. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good boiled down explanation of them. So Tia Leone takes Ben Stiller and Patricia Arquette to meet his biological mother. And they meet, and it all goes very, very well. Until, of course, um, they sort of come to the realization and Taya makes a phone call to the adoption agency that they are, in fact, at the wrong people's friggin' place and made a horrible mistake. Uh, this is doubly horrible because if they had been correct, Ben Stiller would have two smoking hot volleyball playing super tall <laughs> stepsisters. Which, you know, if you're going to have stepsisters... They might as well be super tall volleyball player model types, right? Right? <laughs> it all sort of comes crashing down around him at that point. So, they move on to the next candidate for his biological parentage in the form of... I didn't write down his name, but if you ever saw the movie The Warriors, he's the guy who puts bottles on his fingers and says, Warriors! Come out and play! 
that guy, who plays a truck driver slash kind of a scuzzy, scumbaggy type. So, at first, Ben Stiller's like, okay, well, this is my dad. I have to love him and cherish our time together and what have yous. When he does eventually realize that they have made yet another mistake. Uh, kind of a sigh of relief, I am sure, from him. And uh, then you kind of get the feeling that that is what this movie is going to be. Him going from person to person, each having more ridiculous than the last experience. However, uh, to be fair, that's not what it turned into. It was just the first two and then the last. Uh, where his actual factual biological parents, played by Mr. Alan Alda and Lily Tomlin, sort of titans in the acting, and uh, I would say definitely in Lily Tomlin's case, particularly comedy acting stuffs. So uh, they were goddamn awesome in this. Played kind of a hippie, dippy types, uh, did lots of drugs back in the day were uh, Deadheads, which is what you call uh, Jerry Garcia and the, <laughs> I want to say Evil Dead, Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead, what you call Grateful Dead fans, and they would sort of tour around with him. Uh, along the way, oh, I almost forgot to mention, they, for some inexplicable reason that I suppose makes sense on one level, but didn't really to me, pick up Mr. Richard Jenkins, who I think, along with George Siegel, kind of falls into that category of actors who you may not recognize their names, but as soon as you see them, you will know. As well as Josh Brolin, who play uh, a pair of cops who were about to arrest uh, Ben Stiller and Patricia Arquette, but did not, because Josh Brolin apparently went to school with Patricia Arquette. I won't go into details as to what happened there, because I don't have time. Yeah, <laughs> they played a, uh, a couple, and by that I mean a couple, uh, of gay cops, gay policemen, who tag along, again, for a reason that I suppose made sense, but I don't think really did. But uh, this is a kind of movie that uh, I think you could sort of throw it into a dark comedy a little bit, and in dark comedies sometimes the leaps in logic are not... 100% logical. That being said, if you know me, and one way you could go about knowing me is listening to this podcast and knowing what I would rate a movie such as this, uh, you probably have a guess that I really enjoyed it. It was weird. There were laughs, awkward moments, good acting, amazing writing, just dialogue that <laughs> puts a smile on my face every moment of this movie. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm tempted to go 5 out of 5, but I'm going to go 4 out of 5. So, a 4 out of 5 with probably some 5 out of 5 moments. Very, very good. Highly recommend. Uh, movie the second. Oh yeah, I'm going to try to do two on the way to work, two on the way home. That is the plan, and that is what I goddamn well am going to do. Next movie is called Zombie Hunter. This movie's about um, working in a pumpkin patch. Oh, oh boy, I am really quite a trickster today. It's not about working in a pumpkin patch. It's about a zombie hunter. Uh, duh. This movie takes place uh, six months to a year, I would say, after the initial zombie apocalypse. It is starring Martin Coping. Martin Coping looked familiar, and I think he's done a lot of TV, but TV shows that I have not yet seen yet 
but would desire to see, because I kind of looked at his IMDb page. Uh, he was good in it. <laughs> sort of. He played, it, and I don't think it's his fault. I think it was, this is, this is a B-movie. Definite, definite B-movie category. Is it so good that it's bad? Or is it so bad that it's good? Uh, yeah, it's, it's treading into the so bad that it's bad category. But, uh, but I enjoyed it. I think on that note, we'll go two to three out of five. Maybe even the odd four moment, such as, such as moments involving Mr. Danny Trejo. Huh? Huh? This is kind of interesting in that Danny Trejo, who, that's someone I think if you know the name, you will know the face. He is kind of billed as like the main character of this movie. And by that, I mean, he's big on the cover. I think he's maybe be first build. However, his part in this is probably, in terms of screen time, probably fifth. Yeah, probably fifth in terms of screen of screen time. So it's as, as if these sort of creators of this movie said, "Hey, we can get Danny Trejo. Yeah, he's up for a big star. Let's put him all over this." Uh, and yet, he doesn't really appear in the movie. Oh. He does, but but not as much as many of the other characters. So uh, this dude, this zombie hunter, and that's kind of a little misleading, actually. It's not like he's going out and hunting zombies. He's just traveling around this sort of barren wasteland of Earth. Humanity virtually wiped off the planet, and in his travels, he's a bit of a badass, a bit of a real badass, and he'll just kill zombies left, right, and center. He's not, like, actually hunting them down. He does it with gun and knife and Camaro. Maybe a little insane, because the movie starts off with him driving around with a zombie head in the passenger seat with a nail going through the eye of the zombie head that he talks to. Mm -hmm. He's got that sort of grizzled, grizzled exterior. Nothing but tequila and cigarettes past these lips. Uh, that, that kind of vibe. It's sort of over-the-toply written and acted, which uh, I suppose fits, but you occasionally get the impression, I think, that he's taking this movie seriously, which in a movie like this, if you want to take it seriously, you're going to have a bad time, because it is not a good idea. You need to take it 100% not seriously, please. He, after six months without seeing anyone, comes across, comes across a group of survivors. Survivors that include um, a dumb fat guy, a dumb skinny kid, mm -hmm. an old man, Danny Trejo, who plays Jesus, or Jesus, who's a priest, a badass, kick-your-ass priest, as well as a Pamela Anderson-type. And by, that, by that, I mean this girl looked a hell of a lot like Pamela Anderson in body type and even in face. As well as a, uh, another girl in the type of Clara from Doctor Who. So it was kind of that, uh, I think a way you could look at it is Ginger versus Marianne vibe they went with it. The uh, Ginger, being the Pamela Anderson type, who was very, very sletified in this movie, coming on to this zombie hunter dude, left, right, and center, whereas you could tell the Clara type uh, from Doctor Who, that Clara, yeah, did I say that already? Anyway, she, she looked a lot like 
that Claire and sort of attitude-wise as well. A little bit. A little more naive, a little more country girl, a little more, uh, well, a lot less in the slutty department. Although, that being said, after a couple of days, or a day even, of knowing the zombie hunter, ended up having sex with him. It was her first time, so that's something. This place in which this group was hanging out becomes overrun with zombies, as you do. Something I wanted to point out of this particular zombie outbreak is that there exist, with, within this world, super zombies. Sort of a la a Resident Evil kind of vibe where some of the zombies are like super, super powerful. They're like eight, nine feet tall, have giant arms with giant you know, three-foot-long claws at the end of them, and are tough to kill. Very tough. So uh, that adds a little more suspense than just your typical zombie. They were all done in sort of CG, and <laughs> the CG was the B-movie quality. So there was a fight between one of these and Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, with axe in hand, lops off one of their arms, so, uh, so that was, that was not a bad battle. Something of that battle that surprised me, and this is one of the, I guess, spoilers, and the reason why I talked of Danny Trejo not being in the movie that much, was that uh, this one-armed, now giant zombie freak thing killed Danny Trejo. Yeah. And that was uh, probably more than halfway through the movie, but not much more than halfway through the movie he dies. Uh, other members of this group are dropping like flies, of course. They decide the only way to escape is to make their way to the airfield. Of course, they have to travel through a town called Dahmer. Huh? Like, Dom like Jeffrey Dahmer? Huh? Scary? In this town is an insane person with a chainsaw who giggles maniacally. Whenever you have a giant, giggling, chainsaw-wielding bad guy... That's, that's, not, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. I don't, I don't mind that. <laughs> they eventually do make it to this airfield where the old man, who was able to pilot a plane, is killed. So, you know, mission not accomplished. The movie ends with the zombie hunter, the titular <laughs> zombie hunter having to sacrifice his life in order to save Clara from Doctor Who and the skinny, nerdy uh, young kid. They they survive to fight another day. Although, I don't know what they're going to do. It's just the two of them. And they, they have to leave because there's a bunch of these giant zombie folks around. Probably died shortly thereafter, I'm going to assume. <laughs> sad. Ending on a sad note, I will be back, though, in eight hours for another two movies. Hey, that will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, oh my god. Love you, Terry's. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Eight hours of work completed. Uh, you may, or may not, uh, I can never really tell here that it is raining. Raining does not necessarily improve the audio quality of this podcast. 
Sometimes it affects it. Sometimes I say that I think it's affecting it, but it does nothing. But I kind of like to mention it just for the fact that um, it's it's a thing. It's a thing, rain. Uh, it's basically water when you really think about it. Movie the third. It's a little film called Bling Ring. That is a rhyming title. Uh, I'm going to let you know. This is a bit of a spoiler. The movie as a whole does not rhyme throughout. I know, I know. The title's a little misleading in that regard. But uh, no, it, that is not the case. This is the movie based on the true events. And I always sort of take that with a grain of salt. Perhaps throw in the word loosely as in loosely based on the true events surrounding a group of, I guess, 20-somethings who, using the interwebs, would scope out famous folks' houses so they would know, for example, when Paris Hilton was away from her home and in New York for a photo shoot or some such, they would then go to, again, for example, Miss Paris Hilton's home and, uh, Go inside and look around, snoop around, take shit, steal things. Uh, these events actually did happen. So far, what I am saying are things that actually happened. Uh, I knew of the story, I think most of us did. The missus, who watched this with me, knew this story better than I did. So she pointed out some things that were sort of different from the actual story to the movie. For example... In the movie, it's a group of, like, four or five girls and one gay guy who's breaking into these houses. However, the missus says that in the actual, factual, real happenings, there was more guys involved than just the, the, one, uh, the one dude. So what else did they change along the way? I don't know. I assume other things. Other things to make it, at least they believed, more interesting. Uh, it was an interesting story. The movie, uh, it's got, got good points and bad points, really. Uh, I probably, rating-wise, in my unprofessional rate before I forget to rate system that I use, I'd go three out of five, which I like to use for movies that I enjoyed while watching, but probably would not watch again. This, this, uh, fits well into that sort of category. What I've done, which may or may not make sense is written down some of the actresses and uh, what kind of their roles were in this movie. For example, Miss Katie Chong, she played uh, who I guess you would consider the ringleader of this boing ring, huh? Uh, ringleader, bling ring. And she didn't, uh, <laughs> the, they, they made it kind of seem a little bit in this movie that, at least with regards to the guy, that she, a lot of the time, was kind of forcing him to do to do these things, or peer pressuring him and these girls to doing it. I can't imagine that's true. No one's going to peer pressure me to break into somebody's house, unless there's a part of me that kind of wouldn't mind doing it. People aren't that dumb. Are they? Are they? Maybe they are, actually, now that I think about it. Emma Watson and Thaisa... Famigan, Farmigan, Farmiga, Farmiga, 
Oh, God. I apologize for fucking that name up. They played kind of like your... Uh, I'll just go ahead and say your typical kind of valley girl from California, yeah? sort of airheady, not caring about others, kind of vibe oozing out of their pores, that, that sort of deal. So, potentially, they were dumb enough to be peer pressured into doing these things. That was their story, anyways. On that sort of note, not only on that sort of note, on that note in particular, I will say... One of the reasons I wanted to see this movie was because, and that rhymes, was because of Miss Emma Watson, who is an actress who combines being super, super incredibly sexy, and uh, I think we're going to see a lot of her in the years to come, because uh, combining sexy with actually a very good actress as well, so kind of a a rare breed there, so that is a, a sort of as I throw out from time to time, a liberal cue prediction that uh, Emma Watson will be around for a long, long while in the acting biz. Also, I do believe, potentially in that same category, is that uh, girl's name who I fucked up there, that I will try again. Or how about I just spell it for you? T-A-I-S-S-A is her first name, and her last name is F-A-R-M-I-G-A. You may... Probably will not recognize that name, I assume. However, if you got a look at her face, you may recognize her from the television show American Horror Story, in which she did a super amazing job as the daughter daughter of a family who moved into a haunted house. We actually, and this is the podcast we, we brought back uh, American Horror Story on the podcast, because it was such an awesome show. Brought back on a TV, a TV Tuesday quite a while ago. So, in an effort to, as I try to remember to do and quite often fail, rate things when they come up, such as television shows, uh, American Horror Story Season 1, I do believe I gave a 5 out of 5 to. Very much enjoyed that. Season 2, I think I only gave a 4, and uh, the misses and I... God damn guaranteed we'll watch season three together. Again, Liberal Cube, guarantee, right there. Uh, something else that the missus pointed out is that the girls that uh, Emma Watson and Taesa were portraying in this movie also, I don't believe still, but for a time had their own reality TV show. Them and their mother. They're, they're not, just should mention, just because I'm saying sisters, they're not biological sisters. Not that that matters, I suppose, for this talk, but, uh, you know, thought I'd throw it out there. Oh yeah, that was one other thing that the missus pointed out that I found very, very interesting and kind of wonder why they did. Uh, these two girls and their crazy mother, played by Leslie Mann, love me some Leslie Mann, by the way, Um, within this movie played, specifically the mother, I suppose, and reluctantly the daughters, played Scientologist. So that was sort of their kooky crazyism. And as the missus pointed out, in real, actual life, they were Buddhists. So why? And I'm very curious about this and wish I could talk to the creators of this movie. Why did they change the characters from Buddhists to Scientologists. What was the reasoning behind that? Because they didn't just pick 
pick willy-nilly a different religion. There had to be a reason. My thought is, and I very, very much like this thought, in my sort of occasional outpouring of anti-religion, my thought is that Buddhism is a religion that does not have gods. It's not God told us to do this and God told us to do that. It's not God created the universe, things of that nature. It is still a religion. It's still, from this man's point of view, has some of the crazy trappings of religion. However, if you're going to rate religions on their craziness, Buddhism is not very high on my scale. Whereas Scientology is one of the most fucked up religions that has ever existed. Now, part of that, I've always said, may have something to do with the fact that it's newer. And if it was a long, if it was around for 2,000 years, as Christianity would be, uh, people would not consider it as crazy. But that being said, Christianity, Scientology, for me, both is as goddamn crazy as the other one. It's just the fact that Scientology is newer, which I, I think adds a little bit more of the craziness. That's just a thought that I'm sort of throwing out there, and the reason the makers of the movie decided to do that is because it is quite obvious, quite obvious they're trying to make Leslie Mann's character appear crazy in a lot of these scenes, which is easier done with Scientology than it is with Buddhism. Huh? Huh, huh? What do you think of that? Got a little deep talking about the bling ring, a little deep into religion. But, hey, that's what podcasting is all about, people. We can flow and ebb into whatever the hell we want to talk about. Again, I am using the podcast we, which means me. Hmm. So, I think I should leave that behind. I had a few more little notes here, but uh, we touched on everything that needs to be said. And the bonus of having to rush through a little bit is that I didn't really spoil it. Although, when you do a movie based on actual factual events, and actual factual events that somewhat recently happened, uh, most people are going to know... Uh, at least kind of the outline of your story, if not details. Did I give a rating? Yeah, three. Parts with Emma Watson, four. <laughs> there you go. Convoluted rating completed. Okay, movie the fourth is a little... Uh, another movie that I watched with the missus called The Lords of Salem. This is a movie that, unfortunately, I will say, I went into with pretty, pretty, pretty to very high hopes. It is a Rob Zombie film, creator of House of a Thousand Corpses, creator of Devil's Rejects. Um, I, I know I did, and I believe the missus did as well, have the feeling that this was going to be kind of in that vein, in those veins. And I guess, no, it wasn't. I was going to say maybe some parts were but no, it strays very, very far from those movies to, I believe, its detriment. Uh, on that note, professional, unprofessional movie ranking, as I do again, uh, give out my rating of... I probably go two, uh, some one moments, maybe the odd three moments, which is why we're going to relegate the rating to a two. The misses again, in the same sort of boat as me, loved 
probably loved more than I did, even, the uh, the other Rob Zombie movies, such as the two aforementioned. Uh, so probably had even higher hopes than I did. She went one uh, for her rating. But, again, that's on her scale. That is always on the low side. With the, with the inexplicable uh, friggin' rush hour 5 out of 5 that she gave. Which, I, as you could tell, I'm still not over that. And every time I will mention her broken rating scale, I will mention that she gives rush hour a 5 out of 5. A fine film! A fine film! But... Five out of five? Come on. Come on. This movie stars, like uh, Devil's Rejects has in it, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie, who you may know, is uh, Rob Zombie's wife in real life. And that rhymes as well. We're all all about the rhymes in this episode. She plays a radio DJ living in Salem, which I believe, although I did not check this, Salem, Massachusetts? Is that where Salem is? I think it might be. Where? If you know anything about Salem, you probably know that it is famous for its uh, witch trials. Trials of witchery. Back in the 1600s, 1700s? Oh boy. Do not take history lessons from this podcast. Go to, I don't know, a source of history lessons rather than this. But anyways, there were uh, many women back in those times, in the sort of puritanical times, let's call them, sure, why not, that were tried and then murdered as witches. Ooh. A very good book, if you want to stray away from this movie that is not good, to a good book on the same sort of subject matter, is, uh, of course, Salem's Lot by Mr. Stephen King, which... I think they might have turned into a movie as well. Uh, Jordan, mental note for yourself. See if Salem's Lot is a movie and watch it and bring it back on a movie Monday. Mental note completed. So, uh, yeah, Sherry Moon Zombie plays a DJ who has a mysterious package delivered to her work. Inside is an LP. What does LP stand for? Some... Uh, I don't know what LP stands for. Uh, When I was born, they were... My parents had LPs. I had cassettes. Kids now may still have CDs. Mostly MP3s. That's how that has gone. (laughs) Anyways, a record. You know, one of those. Uh, once she plays this record that's got some crazy friggin' music on it, it kind of gives her that slow descent into madness that sounds potentially like it would be interesting, but it's not really. She lives in an apartment building with uh, three other ladies who live in the same building, who, I'm just going to give it away because I don't want you to see this movie, because it's not very good. Uh, are witches, mm-hmm. and they are using Sherry Moon and this record to infect, possess, however you want to call it, women of Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, anyone who's, uh, how do I say this? Any of the women whose descendants were alive and living in Salem at the time of these witch trials would be possessed slash like, uh, infected 
is how I like to look at it, by the playing of this record, which, played over the radio, infected a fair number, probably in the hundreds or so. So there's that aspect of it. There's the aspect that also in this apartment building complex, there exists a door that uh, apparently, from what I gather, leads to hell or something, demon lair. I don't know, folks. I don't know. Uh, these three old ladies, witch ladies, are going to send Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> that is a crazy name, and I like it. Anyways, send her through this door, so she is going to be impregnated by the devil, I think. Maybe. Either that, or there's another point in the movie where she's impregnated and things by the devil. The devil, what I assume is the devil, because they keep calling... It's Satan, so safe assumption, I suppose, is probably two and a half feet tall, has giant tentacles and like lobster hands. So that's a, uh, I will give it to Rob Zombie on that. He chose a very interesting interpretation, interpretation even, of the devil. Uh, I like that. Went, went out of the norm, so that's appreciated. And one other sort of pro I wanted to say about this movie is that Rob Zombie, and I kind of want to go back and rewatch those other movies again, because it was definitely prevalent in this, he really seems to take a lot of time and thought into his shots. Almost like, oh shit, should have wrote this down. Uh, I can't remember the movie maker's name. Did uh, Moonrise Kingdom, that one with Life Aquatic... The guy who does those movies always seems to like take a lot of time prepping his shots so they look artistic. And um, I think in this one, Rob Zombie tried to do that quite often to, to very good effect, to very good effect. Some, some beautiful scenery and just the times in the movie where you could pause it and take a picture of the screen and hang it on your wall and it would be art. Now, that being said, some of this filming got weird and <laughs> I would almost use that same word arty and perhaps even pretentious and didn't fit the rest of the film it's it's kind of like the movie didn't know what it wanted to be did it want to be a horror which there was elements at the beginning that were leaning in that horror actually factually scary direction but then totally veered off into other weird satanic kind of things and just didn't all fit together it felt like so I hate to do it because I'm a big Rob Zombie fan and also, on that note of being a fan, he is, like, in actual real life, a super, super nice guy. Friends with Chris Hardwick, heard him on the podcast, and uh, have heard from more than one source that he's just a nice dude. So, hey, you give a movie a rating based on the movie, not by the creator of the movie, right? Right. Uh, that will end it. And when I say it, I mean this podcast episode, folks. We did it. Yeah. Thank you for listening. It has been a pleasure a-talking. Hmm. I will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. 
And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.